Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Lion. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we into full slate of Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg. And we're actually going to look at some baseball today as we've been talking a lot of hockey. We did a full hockey uh, preview on my last episode here, had a guest on then. Uh, and, and we're going to be joined by another guest today who specializes on the diamond, and that is Jordan. You might know him on gambling Twitter as the big three for three. You can find him at big three underscore four underscore three. And Jordan, it's good to have you aboard. How you doing? And uh, again, thank you for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Doing well. Just just getting a good look at the slate today. Got got a few day games, so starting up soon here. Yeah, and that's uh, we want to emphasize as you're listening to this, probably in the late morning hours that we do have a pick on an afternoon game uh, that we're going to have as a consensus play, which we'll get to in a little bit. So uh, if you happen to catch this in time, uh, we hope you can uh, get some action on our consensus play. But we're sprinkling in a little bit throughout the day, late afternoon game as well out in on the West Coast that we're going to talk about. So uh, we'll kind of uh, mix it mix it in throughout the day as far as the uh, chronology of all these games is concerned. But, Jordan, before we start looking at the rotation and go through our picks, 
uh, I, I, you're a guest on here, obviously, so I want to allow you to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your experience with sports gambling. Yeah, of course. I mean, so I come from a really statistics-heavy background um, in college, majored in, like, statistics, computer science. So that's kind of where my focus lies or where I feel like I have the big advantage, you know. Um, obviously grew up with all sports, not just baseball, but watching it my whole life, kind of following it. But I really feel like where I can kind of bring something in uh, is the statistics side. And so, as you can see, like on my page, I always am posting my models that I'm running. So every day I'm pulling um, data, pulling starting pitchers, you know, team stats, that type of stuff, lineups, and basically produce a model uh, that gives a prediction for every single side in total. And so that's a big, big starting point for me. I like to see, you know, that's research that most people are doing anyways, right? You're going in, you're saying, okay, what's this guy's ERA? What's this guy's whip? You know, what's, uh, how do they do at home? You know, those types of things. Like this is research that most of us are doing anyways, but this model that I've built kind of consolidates all that and literally lets me push one button and then kind of allows me to, to put numerical value to those stats that we're already looking at. Um, and so sure. that's a big starting point for me. And I kind of just go from there. Sometimes I'll pick opposite of the model um, of what the numbers say if I really like something. But usually I try to kind of stay within those bounds um, and at least use that as a way where if I only want to dig into a few games, only have time to dig in to a few games, like that can kind of help me pick out which ones I want to really look into as well. Yeah, and that's where I wanted to go to next because obviously uh, when you have this kind of a model and you can run uh, – projections for every game on the rotation in a given day uh there's obviously not a gambling advantage or or, or some you know an, an edge to be had in every game side or total so yep. uh, how do you try and kind of make those delineations yeah so i mean the thing for me is like i i am pretty high volume even in general i'm a big if the play is going to be plus ev you know if, if i'm going to make this play and over time I'm going to make money, I'll usually just pull the trigger on it. Um, I know some guys will try to like limit themselves, but that's kind of how I do it. And I guess like for my model, the way that I have the threshold set is basically if I find 4% of value. So basically this could mean if I think that the Orioles are going to win, you know, 31% of the time in money line is saying that as long as they win 27% of the time, I'm going to make money on that pick. I'll take the, you know, plus 300 or whatever, even if they're going to, even if I think they're going to lose most of the time, just because that play is plus EV. So that's something that for me, I know it's like everyone does that differently and chooses to do that differently. But if I think that there's value on it and I think over time that play is going to make money, I'll usually pull on that. Um, and so that's kind of the threshold I've set there is like 4%. That's like the numerical threshold. Obviously, when you're capping games, you kind of have your own mind you got kind of set like at what point does does this become value but that's kind of how i've chosen to do it now i'm curious because uh obviously you know you mentioned you're a big stats guy like have you noticed any patterns just in terms of you know trends and and things that you know seem to pop up time and time again like one of you mentioned the orioles for example and one yeah. of the things that I I read uh, a while ago, actually, which I've seen a few times since, but 
uh, and I think it particularly applies to this year where we have a very regional schedule, is that uh, divisional underdogs can often be undervalued because you might look at the Orioles playing the Rays or the Yankees and think, oh, well, it's one of the best teams in baseball against one of the worst teams in baseball. But there's a lot of factors about the Orioles that they know about the Yankees and the Rays. And so they're going to, you know, some of that stuff doesn't necessarily get priced into the line. And, for example, the Orioles playing the Yankees or the Rays, they might actually have a better chance of winning that game than if they're playing, say, the Twins or the A's or the Astros, a team that they might not know as much about. So what kind of factors like that? That's just one example of what I'm talking about. You know, win patterns, yeah. I think, for totals are important. Um, what kind of factors like that that would not pop up in a model do you look at? Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of things. I I mean, I'm sure people are familiar with it, the SDQL, that sports database thing, where you can basically go in and look at any of the trends with the lines, which is obviously more useful. You know, I don't really care if the Yankees are 8-2 and two in their last 10 against the Orioles, if it's 300, you know, minus 300 juice. So, but I will look a lot on there. Some of the things that I really like or that are really intriguing to me, at least, is like Coors Field, right? So sure. one of the big things, and I mentioned this on my Twitter like a week ago, um, Last year, teams leaving Coors Field in their first game, so this is like going from high altitude back to low altitude, are just terrible um, straight up. I forget the exact numbers, and like I said, I posted on my Twitter. I think it was something like 12 and 23 um, straight up after leaving So this would Coors be the game year. after they finish a series at Coors Field. Yep, so their first game after. So usually this is like coming down from altitude. You know, we, we call it the Coors Fade. But basically, yeah, you're at altitude. And then you would come down and play so either whether you're still on the road or going else. back home. It yep, doesn't matter. Either one. Yep. And also in those games, the under is like the same thing, like hits 66% of the time. Um, and so the, that's one of the big ones that I always look for is after teams finish up a series at Coors. So like, now, did you find that to be true for like the Rockies first game on a road trip? Yeah. So I've looked at that too. And it's not as much. I wonder if it's, just like because they're used to it basically uh they right. do it all the time but i mean obviously teams or not teams the public tends to like bet the over too much in rockies like away games just because of the biases like from their home games you know right so i think like usually i've found it that there's more value on the under in rockies games when they're away um just in general just like coming down from altitude but not as much on like the altitude fade is these teams that aren't used to it and only do it once or twice a year, you know? Sure. So uh, just one last thing on that, because I do think that's an interesting observation that you picked up on. Like, what about the NL West teams that do it regularly? Like, were they a little different than the rest of the teams that go to Coors Field? You know, I couldn't tell you that. I, I okay. would be, I'm guessing most of those numbers are from NL West teams. And, like, the one um, specifically that we were looking at there was, like, I think it was the Padres or something was who they played earlier this year, who was coming off of the Coors Fade. And they actually beat the – I think they played the Dodgers maybe, and they actually beat the Dodgers first game back. But, yeah, I think – I'm guessing those teams are the majority of the numbers there, you know, which That's obviously are yeah. still um, good fades and good unders. But it would be interesting to see compared to those other NL teams or even, like, interleague teams right. how those look. 
Well, that's good stuff, and I'm sure you're probably going to, uh, because of how statistically oriented you are, maybe at times be a little more or sound a little more prepared than I am, just because uh, not that I am adverse to statistics, but I, I certainly don't uh, get as into it as you do. Um, I try and uh, blend a little bit of everything and, and, and land on the side that I think makes the most sense. Uh, yeah. follow, look at line moves and, and things like that. I kind of got suckered on one yesterday. I took the A's just on the ben, the premise of Dylan Bundy regressing and why is he laying a dollar forty and uh, obviously he kept it going. And so uh, it, it's funny that we mentioned that, though, because I think that's a perfect segue into our first pick here, which is actually going to be cons- a consensus play, which we want to stay first here because it is the first game on the MLB card today on this hump day, Wednesday, August the 12th. And it is the Detroit Tigers hosting the Chicago White Sox and uh, Dylan Cease, the youngster for the Southsiders, toes the rubber against Matthew Boyd for Detroit. And this was one of those games when I was looking at the uh, card last night, I said, oh, wow, the White Sox are, uh, you know, a, a favorite of north of a dollar twenty, dollar twenty five, dollar twenty three, depending on where you shop normally somewhere in that vicinity against Matthew Boyd. What's going on? And I'll be honest, I pay close attention to every sport. And while baseball is my favorite. And normally at this time of year, we'd just be dialed in on baseball, and it would have been that case for the last couple of months with the NHL restarting and the NBA restarting. I'm somebody that bet a lot of golf, too. I've been betting a lot of other things. So I wasn't as tuned in to the fact that Matthew Boyd has been nowhere near himself so far in 2020. And uh, so I, and I do think, though, it's one of those lines where, you know, you might look at it and say, oh, my God, that's the easiest underdog ever. Like, I get Matthew Boyd who was excellent uh, last year for Detroit, uh, you know, at plus money, uh, absolutely. But he's actually been a mess, uh, to be honest. And he's allowed 15 runs in 14 and two-thirds innings. Uh, And then I looked uh, at the White Sox, and they've had a lot of success against left-handed pitching. Uh, A 115 weighted runs created plus so far against lefties in 2020, and that's something that carried over from them in 2019. And, and just generally speaking with the White Sox, uh, it, it's, this is also going to feel weird to say because it feels like baseball just came back. But we're already now at the point where, you know, for some teams, we are, the White Sox included, we're almost a third of the way through the season. They're 9-9, nine and nine, and obviously a 60-game season, and the Tigers have been pretty surprising at 9-6. and six, But this is a bit of a mishmash in the AL Central still with the Twins just two games clear of the White Sox and the Tigers and Indians in between both of them. The White Sox were a pretty trendy pick uh, to make some noise in this division. And after getting off to a slow start, they seem to have found their way. Uh, I think the young guys here uh, for Chicago in their lineup will get to Boyd and it's going to continue to be a rough go for the Southpaw for Detroit. Uh, And, one last thing that I have on this handicap before I'll lend it to you. Uh, the bullpens have been worked a lot so far in this series. Uh, so it's going to come down to whichever starter can go deeper. And the starter for the White Sox is Dylan Cease, who is a youngster that is starting to find his way. Uh, 405 ERA, which isn't great, but it's a lot better than where he was last year. Uh, but he does have a lot of strikeout stuff. In 14 starts last year, he struck out 10 hitters per nine innings. Uh, so I just think we're going to get a better start from Dylan Cease than Matt Boyd, which, as I said, feels weird to say. 
but I think laying the short price makes sense, and I know you, you're in agreement, so I'll let you talk a little bit about this game. Yeah, no, I, I, it's funny you say that because really the first look at lines for me, I had almost the exact opposite thought. This is, and you mentioned it too, how, I mean, the White Sox were, had to have been one of the most public teams. I think I saw something that said they had the most World Series bets of any team. Yeah, I, I think I saw that too, yeah. And, I mean, the public absolutely loved them. And, I mean, you can see why, right? Like, they got good bats. Um, some good arms. Giolito looked like a stud last year. Right. Um, obviously a little less so this year. Um, but the thing to me, so they've now played, this is game three in Detroit, and they've been like minus 140, minus 125, and now they're minus 130 today. And I just, I mean, to me, if you would have asked me what this series against Detroit was going to be at, like just numbers-wise, line-wise, I would have said, you know, minus 160, minus 170 area. I just feel like they're so much better. And I know that Detroit is, is nine and six. Um, White Sox are nine and nine, I think it said. Um, but to me, I mean, they just are the better team in general. Um, on top of that, you mentioned Boyd. And I know Boyd last year, obviously, good pitcher for a bad team. Um, me, as someone who likes to play underdogs or at least like low juice, uh, I love those good pitchers for bad teams, like a means uh, sure. for Baltimore just because you can get good numbers on them and usually you're getting a stud for six or seven innings. Um, but last year, so last year he was had a 3.87 ERA in the first half of the season and a 5.51 in the second half of the season, right? So it was like I was with you where it felt like he was good last year and finishes the season with a 4.5, but really the latter half was terrible. Right. And then, like we've said, starts off this year terrible um, with a, what is he at, 9.2 or something like that. Whereas on Cease, with Cease, on the other hand, you have pretty much the exact opposite. Last year, obviously, I think he only made 14 starts. Um, he did, yeah. Yeah, and so starts off the year, the first, I don't know, first six, eight games or whatever, it was pretty pretty terrible. Um, and actually was all right the last six. And I know he pitched against Detroit twice in those first first half games, whatever, and then also pitched against them last game of the year. And what do I got on him? So it was 3-0 and with a 3-3 last year against the Tigers, which you're like, okay, yeah, not saying much. But also, that's who he's playing is the Tigers. You know, like, it's it's not a great batting team, so 3-3 is, like, in three starts isn't super impressive, but um, obviously pretty pretty relevant to this game, including he was 2-0 and with a 2-4 at um, Comerica Park, so which is where the game is today. Um, the, one, the one thing that I did see on Cease that worries me a little, at least, is just, his day and night splits. So right now sure. he's at like a four one night ERA and like a six seven day. Just the thing with him though is he's has sixteen career starts. So I'm really not going to put a, a ton of weight. Yeah, on and you know, let let me just jump in and ask you another question. Just going back to like handicapping style, like when it comes to guys like Cease who are young and we don't have a lot to look on, you know, how much value can we put into? certain things because you know the day night thing for whatever reason you know that could be something that lingers and certain pitchers will tell you they'd rather pitch during the day or rather at night and that's something that is just woven into them so it doesn't necessarily matter how many times they've done it it's just their personal preference how do you try and weigh some of those things yeah I mean the big thing for me with these guys that don't have a lot of games is I'll, I'll look at splits instead of or I'll look at game logs instead of splits so, like, for him, instead of looking at, like, your splits and looking at, oh, hey, look, this is the 
the three, you know, the three games that you pitch during the day and you have a six, seven ERA, I'd, I'd rather look at the game log and see like, okay, what's happening. You know, maybe he got lit up for eight runs against the Yankees at home when it was a hundred degrees out, you know, like those types of things. Like I'd rather look at the actual games themselves. And with his case, I think the day games just came early, right? So he had, he had a few rough starts and really his first of his first few starts, a couple of them were day games bumps up the day ERA and now he just hasn't had any starts to even get it back down, you know? Right. So that's, that's kind of how I, I get by that is just looking at the games themselves instead of the splits. Sure. Uh, so we're both on the White Sox for a consensus play at our sponsor bet online. They're laying a dollar twenty eight. So it sounds like at most shops they are between a dollar twenty and a dollar thirty. Any final words on this game, Jordan? Before we move on? No, that's all for me. Yeah, sure. I think I think that's definitely the play. And I, I would say, like we mentioned there, I wouldn't get scared off by the C stay splits. I think that should be no problem. Let's move forward and go to an evening game actually in Western New York. That's right. The Toronto Blue Jays are, uh, oh, have gotten started at their per- or temporary ballpark for 2020 in Buffalo, and they are hosting the Miami Marlins uh, on the full game money line. Toronto is a minus 169 favorite at Bet Online, a total of 8.5 in this game. Jordan, you have a play here. Where are you going? Yeah, I'm going. I'm going Blue Jays minus one here. Um, really, I'm. I wouldn't play money line. We just talked about this too. I'm not a big fan of paying the minus one seventy, minus one for those unfamiliar. Just pretty much a combo of of the money line and the minus one and a half. Um, but really, for me here, it boils down to. I mean, some of it's just recency bias, right? It's like the Marlins can't actually be this good. Um, it's almost kind of like the Tigers of the National League. Exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, and if you look at the teams they've played, so this is the big thing for me is the teams the Marlins have played have been Phillies, Orioles, Mets. And the thing is, is, is some of those teams, I guess, have a couple guys who can start, but all three of those teams have what will end up in the year bottom five to 10 bullpens. Right. And I think what I've been seeing happen in some of these games is, I mean, they've been hitting pretty decent um, against some of these teams at least, but just hammering their bullpen, right? So, like, the Phillies, um, yeah. easily the worst bullpen in the I'm a Phillies uh, fan. I can tell you how bad that bullpen exactly. is. Exactly. And so I think, like, some of these teams that they're getting to, it's not like the, the Marlins are actually getting to good pitchers. Uh, I think a lot of the stuff they're getting to is pretty bad. And then on the other side of that, Pearson is just, I mean, <laughs> I, I think he's going to be really good. And I think that um, – I don't know. I think they're going to have their hands full there. And I just, I guess from the other side with Yamamoto, um, so last year, he was one of those other guys last year. I was like, you know, he's pretty decent. He's one of those guys that I feel okay backing if the price is right. But so finished with a four four six last year, uh, which isn't terrible. Marlins play a lot of low-scoring games. Not great. He's only had one start this year, um, and it was just this last week against Baltimore, four earned runs, four innings. I think that, I don't know. I mean, just to me, I think that you're getting the better pitcher in the much better team. Um, and I really think that the price is right. I um, I mean, for Pearson, I'm trying to see here. I had it up. But really, I mean, pretty two pretty good starts right now. I think he has two. he's pitched in two games and only allowed three runs. And I think, oh, yeah, I played the Nationals first. 
And then in the, the Braves game, walked somebody and then gave up one home run to, like, Freddie Freeman. And then the only other run that he's given up all year was, like, a single that, like, by wild pitch and ground out and fly sure. out, like, deep fly, he, another run scored. Like, he really has pitched – I think he's pitched, like, 11 innings and has one big mistake, which was the one home run. And I just think – I mean, especially against these Marlins bats, that's somebody who – who I feel pretty comfortable backing, even only with two career starts. Yeah, you know, I, I want to get into a little more about, you know, and, and I don't have a ton here, so I don't want to uh, dive too far into the specifics of this game. But yeah. I do want to talk a little bit more about your, uh, you know, uh, your strategy here on the minus one, uh, you know, because I think that is a, a smart play when betting baseball. We talked about it before we hopped on here that uh, the uh, run line is not something that I'm always comfortable with, especially the home team, because you would not be getting that ninth at bat if you happen to be down one or up one going into the ninth inning. Um, and, you know, and, and then so I, I don't love uh, laying the run and a half. And then oftentimes I, I, I don't necessarily like ponying up to pay the juice on a plus one and a half. If I like an underdog, I think I'd usually just take the plus price. So – you know, when it comes to this kind of juicy favorite like this, you know, do you, you know, look at the give the run line series consideration a lot, or are you more in line to just do this with the minus one more often than not? Yeah, no, that's, I mean, I'm so glad you said it too about the, the home team. That's one of the big parts of my capping is I absolutely hate laying the run line on the home team. And especially now with this new extra innings format, which, I mean, obviously don't want to ever cap for extra innings, but guys... No, that's a second. great point, because obviously the road team, starting with the runner on second, they could score six runs or whatever. Yep, yep, exactly. Um, and so I think, like, to me, even if it, yeah, even if it goes into extras, it's a lot easy for the away team to score a lot of runs, when if you're the home team, you ground ball to the right side, of, like, to the correct part of the right. field, Fun. and then hit a fly ball, and the game's over. You know, and so I right. think, like... You're not going to see those miracle home run, two, three run home runs and extras, those types of things. And so to me... It's it, funny, we actually got one of those in the first one with the extra inning rule, Matt Olson for Oakland. Yep, Grand, Grand Slam, Slam, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but I do think, like, to me, I mean, so I'm a big proponent of, like, selling, um, and this is, like, basketball-related, I guess, like, selling points as opposed to buying them. I wrote well, I'm with you there. I do that last football. year. I uh, wrote a big article about it last year, and um, it was about college basketball. But basically, like, I mean, just ran the numbers for everything. Uh, and it's just so much better. There's so much more value selling points than there's buying points. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it's hard playing minus one, right? Because basically it's like you're buying half a run from um, the run line there. But I think, A, you're still selling a, a run off of the – off of the money line. And right. like we said, especially for, with the home team, that's something that I'm really comfortable playing. Um, I'm with you, too, on I don't like playing plus one and a half. I think that there's not a lot of value there a lot of the time. And one of the big things is a lot of times with the minus or plus one and a half, you turn a dog into a favorite, right? Right. I absolutely, I absolutely hate that. The You know, you could have a plus 140 dog and you turn him into minus 120 or whatever playing the plus one and a half. Like, yeah. I would much rather just take take a stab at the money line. Um, 
Yeah, or and, and this is another thing that I I don't do a lot of on the first, and we're gonna get into this with my pick, but on the first five run lines, if I like the underdog, I'm often just gonna play them on the first five money line and not play them plus the hook because if the game is tied after five innings, yeah, I would have won it plus half a run, but I'm not losing on the push at yep. if it's tied. So I would always take the plus price. Yeah, absolutely. And that's I mean, I I actually will take the plus the plus hook sometimes, but you're okay. absolutely right. I would rather take a stab at the money line. Um I think there's some games, especially when you really trust the pitcher, right? Like I guess if it's an example, example like, like the Orioles, like you mentioned yeah. the means where it's like and they they might be a big dog. If it's like means against the Yankees, you might be able to get like plus half a run at plus money. Yeah. No, that's I mean, and that's literally what it was earlier this year in I mean, they got beat by one. I think they were down 5-4 after five. But, yeah. yeah, no, he yeah, he got lit up. But I will, if it's plus money, I will take the plus hook a few times. Um, sure. Just because, especially if it's a pitcher I trust, right? Like, right. if I can trust this guy to give up zero or one runs, but I can't really trust their bats. Like, I mean, Orioles, pretty good example. Um, that's something that I feel better about, better about than even the plus one and a half. But, like you said, I really don't like the the turning the dog into a favorite. Um, right. So I try to stay away from that. Let's move forward, and I'm going to take us up to Fenway Park for an AL East battle between the Tampa Bay Rays and the Boston Red Sox. This game gets started at 7:30 Eastern time, uh, and obviously we have the Tampa Bay Rays as a pretty big favorite here, minus a dollar fifty-seven. It's actually not as long as I, not as short as I thought they would be, uh, and the Red Sox a plus one forty five dog total of nine in this game. But really, where I'm interested in looking here is actually on that first five run line, and I am going to take Tampa to lead after five uh, at minus a dollar fifteen. Kind of speaking to what we're just saying about how Jordan there is on the minus one for Toronto for the full game to mitigate some of the juice. I'm looking at it from the same angle on the first five innings here with Tampa Bay. Anytime you can tell me I'm going to get a pretty hefty favorite at almost standard juice, I'm going to sign up for that in the first five innings because that is where, if you think about it, the line is based primarily off of the starting pitchers. Well, in the first five innings, you're likely getting the starting pitchers the entire way. At least that is my hope here with Blake Snell towing the rubber for the Rays. He only pitched three innings against the Yankees on Friday. My hunch is that they're going to continue to extend the leash a little bit. And it's a Tampa team that looks to be finding its way. Uh, they've won four in a row. It was a race team that I think everybody rightfully so thought would be right there with the Yankees in the AL East, and they're starting to get there. They've won, as I said, four in a row. They're within a game and a half of New York in the AL East. And gosh, I mean, I, I just I have a hard time. I think I might be able to count on one hand the amount of times I bet the Red Sox this year. It's just not a team I want any stock in. Zach Godley is making this start for them on short rest. Uh, so that's another reason why I like this on the first five, because when you're going to give me a pitcher who is not very good either, I mean, he was just kind of putting up pedestrian numbers with the Arizona Diamondbacks before he got to Boston. You're going to give me him on short rest, Boston scrambling to kind of piece together a rotation. Yes, I know their bullpen is bad too, and if you wanted to lay the full game run line with the visiting team here, guaranteeing the nine at-bats, I wouldn't have an issue with it. Uh, I just think that 
at almost energies, Tampa is going to have a lead after five years. So that's my pick here. I know you don't have anything here, but just any thoughts on Boston and Tampa? Yeah, no, I mean, I think I like the angle there for sure. Like I said, I mean, me personally, I would like to get into the bullpens a little bit, but I, I understand the angle there on first five. So, yeah, no problems. So let's take a break, and we're going to come back. Uh, Jordan has one more side, and then we have a game that we have some disagreement on. We opened with some agreement on the White Sox. Uh, we'll disagree to wrap up the pod. We'll take a break right now, though, and check in with our sponsors. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics. Electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer, or the item is yours. If you can go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code FULLSLATE or DealDash.FM slash FULLSLATE. That's D-E-L, it's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash FULLSLATE. Sundays, Sundays, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels are also included, so never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. And let's get back to it here on Full Slate. Again, my name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on gambling Twitter at UndercoverGreg. Joined by a guest today as Jordan from... The Big 3 for 3 joins us. You can find his gambling picks at Big un, Big 3 underscore 4 underscore 3. So, again, that's at Big 3 underscore 4 underscore 3. Uh, he specializes in baseball, and so we wanted to look through the Major League Baseball rotation on this Wednesday, August the 12th. We already gave out three picks. If you are just joining us, we had a consensus play there. On the Chicago White Sox, a game that gets started sh- shortly, so hopefully try and get that play in, or maybe if they get off to a slow start, get them at a better price at, on the live line. Uh, Jordan likes the Blue Jays minus the run, and I like the Rays in the first five innings minus half a run. Uh, we're going to come back and talk about two more games here to wrap things up. Uh, and Jordan, you're going out west. Uh, I mentioned in the beginning I got suckered a little bit last night by Oakland against the Angels as an underdog against Dylan Bundy. The Angels struggled a little bit in this series. Uh, They lost the first two against the Angels, but you like them today. Yeah, funny you say that, actually. They uh, won nine straight, right, and then fight with Houston, go out to uh, Los Angeles, and now have lost both of the games out there in um, Los Angeles to the Angels. I think this is – 
I mean, that's a big part of this too for me is this is to avoid the sweep. I was, right? so. I was going to say this is another one of those baseball capping things you like to do the the old uh, good team not going to get swept thing. You know, that's I mean, it's definitely something I look at. You know, and especially coming off of they've been hot, right? And you know, to win nine straight, lose two, you got to think that that there's a little something extra there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely part of it. The other thing is I just think the price is right, um, given the matchup. You know, Bassett is, I mean, through his starts this year, I think, what, he's got a 108 ERA or something like that. Obviously, small sample size. Um, 3.8 ERA last year, 3.0 the year before that. I mean, just been solid. Uh, something that I saw that kind of jumped out to me, too, last year, 2.97 um, day splits against 4.82 night. So just much better during the day last year, which, like I said, I don't put a ton of weight on that on guys who, who haven't pitched a ton. But for him, you know, in just a lot of large sample size, I feel pretty comfortable putting a little weight there saying maybe he does like pitching in the day um, a little better. Uh, as far as bats go, athletics, one of those teams that they do hit better against lefties um, and Canning is a righty. Um, but just I feel pretty comfortable with – the angle here I think pitching advantage is big and then also once you get into the bullpens too I mean A's have through however many games we're in here um, the A's do have the third best bullpen uh, by ERA 225 ERA and over 76 innings pitched whereas the Angels um, more middle of the pack 4-2 ERA and so you you know that's that's two runs um two runs a game there. So if I can get three innings out of the bullpens and get an extra run um, to the A's advantage there, I feel pretty good about it. I think also just, like I said, in terms of the angle there where they're avoiding the sweep, um, especially after having won nine in a row previously, uh, I think think it's a pretty good spot. Yeah, one thing that you really mentioned that I want to focus in on here, and if I had to play this game, I would probably play Oakland too. I, I do kind of like the good team, not going to get swept angle too, because just for some background, like I I am from the East Coast. I mentioned I'm a Phillies fan. I grew up in South Jersey, uh, not too far from Philadelphia, but now I actually work in Minnesota. So I paid more attention to the Twins last season, and they were a team that it just felt like they were so good at uh, weathering the storm and uh, limiting just, you know, how low their low points were. And yeah. I, offhand, I don't know what their longest losing streak was, but and it couldn't, it could not have been more than four or five games because it just felt like there were obviously a lot of veterans, you know, guys like Nelson Cruz and you know Eddie Rosario has been through the ringer for them, and they got Jorge Polanco back from a suspension last year, so it was a lineup that really mashed for them. Uh, but it just felt like uh, they were good at putting the previous days lost behind them and so I think with especially with good teams the whole not getting sweeped angle and you know it there is something to it because uh, you know a team like the A's like in a 60 game season I think it also further emphasizes like you can't lose eight in a row and you know like that could be your season you know so I know this is only two uh but I think that that angle uh has a little more relevance when it comes to handicapping the games in a shorter season. Then the other thing that you mentioned there that I think makes sense, the bullpens. Uh, I mean, anytime you bet, I don't care who the starters are. Anytime you bet a full game, 
line, you have to pay attention to bullpen ERA. Just ask a Mets better that has been backing the Mets when they uh, when Jacob Degrom started. You know, like yep. you know, and, and obviously they didn't hit for him either. But you know, I mentioned I'm a Phillies fan the other day. They're up. 13-1 after eight innings against the Braves, and Aaron Nola is outstanding. Then the bullpen gives up seven runs in the ninth yeah. inning, and, you know, they happen to have a 12-run lead, so it didn't matter. But you just have to know and be aware that the starting pitchers aren't going to pitch the whole game. And, uh, you know, an advantage like that, you know, if you can get into the late innings in a close game, it's going to be advantage Oakland here. So that's just my thoughts on it. Yeah, big thing, too, here, like, obviously with a day game, um, it's important to look at who came out of the bullpens last night too, you know, right? Like there, that game last night, seven, well, what time? Yeah. Seven o'clock. Uh, what, what out was it? West, think, final? Then, yeah. And then you turn around, it was zero six angels won. Um, and so really no one came out of the pen for Oakland or at least Hendrickson. And right. They got some good, they got all their series. bullets in a day game after a night game. That's important. Yep, exactly. So, I mean, when you're looking at it, especially day game, when you're looking at it and you're trying to cap, if you are capping on based on bullpen va- advantage, you know, that's something important to look at, too. You better make sure those those arms didn't actually pitch last night or the day before, you know. So let's wrap things up with a rematch of the 2016 World Series, one of my favorite World Series. Uh, just from the viewing angle, we had two markets that were uh, in dire need of a championship, and it was the Chicago Cubs against the Cleveland Indians, and they square off again at Progressive Field. Uh, and the Cubs had a 7-1 victory last night behind John Lester. Cubs have been a very impressive team out of the gate in the National League Central. They are 11-3 through 14. They have a comfy four, a six-game lead in the loss column, I should say, on the Cincinnati Reds, who were another trendy pick this year. Uh, so you have the Cubs that have been red hot. And then you have the Indians, who are a few games over 500. Mentioned it earlier when we talked about the White Sox and Tigers, that mishmash that is the AL Central right now. Uh, you have the Twins at 11 and 7, the Tigers at 9 and 6, the Indians at 10 and 8, and the White Sox at 9 and 9, kind of all in the mix there. Um, and so I want to, I'm, I'm interested in the Cubs though, and, and, and this could be uh, a mistake on my end, but I, I could not hesitate from backing Kyle Hendricks at plus money. And, you know, he's not, you know, when you think of the best pitchers in baseball, Kyle Hendricks is not going to jump to the top of that conversation, but he's certainly, uh, you know, a pitcher that more often than not, it, you know, if you just blindly gave me plus money every Kyle Hendricks start, I think I would end up, uh, you know, having turned a profit. Uh, you know, so I got the Cubs here uh, on the full game money line at, I think I got it at plus 114. And uh, like right now, Chicago is down to plus 109. And Cleveland is a minus 119 favorite. And my thing here is, I know that the Cubs uh, had uh, not played some games over the weekend against the Cardinals with the Cardinals uh, COVID-19 outbreak. But, you know, they got right back to it with a blowout win last night. Uh, And I I do think there's something with this Cubs team. I mentioned the Brewer, I'm sorry, the Reds is kind of a trendy pick in the NL Central. I think there was... A lot of people that almost already kind of moved past the Cubs in this division, a division that we all thought would be pretty competitive with 
the Reds being a trendy pick and, and the Brewers still pretty good and, and the Cardinals you can always count on. And I think the Cubs were kind of uh, kind of falling through the weeds a little bit and, and, and getting left off people's radars. And, and obviously it's the first year for David Ross as the manager. You know, Madden had moved on. And, and I think there is a little something that they're out to prove and, and their bats have been mashing early on. And that's why I think it's going to be a little bit of a rude awakening for Carlos Carrasco tonight for Cleveland. Actually, one last thing on Hendricks, by the way, and this is another thing I'd like to look at. Hendricks is 3-5-4 earned run average, but his FIP, uh, which is fielding independent pitching, for those unfamiliar, it's basically it's an ERA-like figure, but it produces, uh, you know, it only looks at the three true outcomes, walks, hit, uh, home runs, and strikeouts. So it eliminates your field, you know, your field luck. And so with Hendricks having a FIP, a full run lower than his ERA so far this year, that tells me he's been a little luck, a little unlucky. Uh, and so I like to try and target pitchers like that. He has a whip under one, uh, so that's a good sign. And then on the flip side for Carlos Carrasco, again, obviously the qualifier here on all of this handicapping in any game can be that it's a small sample size for starting pitching, uh, for anybody for that matter. But Carlos Carrasco, a 2-5 earned run average and a 3-8 FIP. So that tells me that he's actually been a little lucky and against a good Cubs lineup. I know that he did face that Twins lineup in one of his starts earlier, and I believe one, he also started against the White Sox. He's been he's been good, don't get me wrong, and maybe we are, and, and it would be a good story if he gets back to the pre-leukemia Carlos Carrasco, uh, but at a plus price, if you're going to give me the Cubs uh, with Kyle Hendricks, I'm going to have a hard time turning that down, so I ended up on Chicago, but now you're going to tell me why I'm wrong. Yeah, not necessarily. Um, I was just going to say, too, I can't, I can't bash Hendricks too much here because I do like the under here as well. That's the one total okay. that I'm locked in for the day. So Full I game. don't think he's going to get lit up by any means. Um, but basically, so like you said. What number? I, you, you? I'm seeing seven and a half. Is that what you took? Yeah, I got under eight last night, actually. Nice. Um, and then got the Indians money line, minus 115. Yeah, seeing 10-mile-an-hour winds in from the right right now. Sure. So a good sign um, and I mentioned younger. at the beginning I think that's important for totals because you know even people might laugh at that but like even if it's just one ball that would have carried over the wall like that can save one two three runs oh 100 percent. I mean that's something I look at every single game is is where the wind's blowing and if you like so I'm actually a Cubs fan and as a Cubs fan I mean the totals in that game you can wake up and look at the total and it'll literally be you know, two two runs off where you thought it was going to be. And a lot of times they won't even release the totals for Cubs games the night before just because they want to get a better idea of what the weather's like before they drop a number. Um, and so that's absolutely something at a lot of these parks that should at least be part of your handicap there on totals. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I guess, like, getting into it, like you said, I mean, bats-wise, this is clear advantage Cubs. Um Cubs fifth, OPS versus righties, Indians 28th. So pretty much opposite there. The big cap here for me um, is on Hendricks' home and away splits. So Hendricks, like I said, as a Cubs fan, um, is just so much better at home than he is away. Uh, last year, 204 ERA at home, 502 ERA on the road. Wow. Um, in his career, which obviously that's a smaller sample size than career, um, he's still over one point worse on the road than he is at home. So definitely someone that, like you said, I mean, plus money on Hendricks, not going to really 
complain anywhere, but something that someone that I feel way more comfortable with um, at Wrigley than elsewhere. Carrasco, um, obviously in the process of coming back here still. Three starts this year, goes two earned runs against Kansas City, whose bats have actually been pretty hot. Three earned runs um, against the Twins in six innings, which, once again, not terrible. And then in his last outing, actually only allowed one hit uh, against the Reds in six innings. And really where it boils, where it comes down to, um, or what it comes down to for me here is just the bullpens, right? As a Cubs fan, every time we get into the sixth, seventh inning, I start to sweat just because, I mean, it's been terrible. Um, six, eight ERA this yeah. year for the Cubs. Good in 50 point. Innings. And then you have the Indians pen with a two, five ERA. Um, I just think huge advantage bullpen. I think that, I mean, the Cubs, like you said, um, you know, coming back from four, four or five days off, I think, not getting that series with the Cardinals and then right. having one day off. Um, I mean, but as I said, they played last night, so that made me feel less worried about Renny Rust. Yep, and that was something like coming into this year, or like obviously this season, knowing the circumstances, I would have been all over. You know, like I would have definitely thought that was a trend. And actually, the Marlins' first game back was against the Orioles against the Means, and I mean their bats weren't there, but. I mean, I don't don't even remember who pitched for him. Pitches like, I think they shut out the Orioles first game back, and so kind of just. Well, yeah, and, and like you know, one angle that we might see develop there, and I I might I I think I'm almost certainly going to look at this whenever the Cardinals play again, uh, would be to go under, right? I mean, even yeah. though even though you would expect the Cubs to be the teams with rusty bats seven one, I would assume that game still landed under last night. Yep. So. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I agree there, too. You, you'd think that pitchers still getting in pretty real reps, batters not getting as much real-time reps in. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with that as well. I think – and I actually was on the Cubs last night. Um, first five pretty heavy just to avoid the bullpen, and then right. I was also on full game, too. Uh, just with – I mean, I don't know. It's, the number just seemed off to me. But this one, like I said, Kent, Hendricks been so much worse on the road. I also think – you know, like you said, Indians, I mean, it is a short season, but it's kind of coming down like 15 games in, you know, it, it's time to start creating some separation here. Um, I, I would think that they probably would like to have this one. And I think Hendricks is pretty gettable, especially on the road. Well, really only on the road. Um, <laughs> and then just with the pen advantage here, like I said, I got the number of minus 115 last night. Not sure what it's at now, but at a at a pick 'em basically here, um, I'll take I'll take the better bullpen against the the better hitting team, and, and I think that's the way that I'm going to take. Well, it's the way that I did take it. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, just two things that you that you mentioned in your handicap there that I want to just discuss on the way out. Uh, we talked about bullpens and and, and and trying to find that advantage as well. Uh, is that something? You know, I I don't really messing around with this just because I feel like it's almost too variable, but will you look at second half at all and try and play the last four innings if, if you think that the bullpen, because if the idea here is, well, it's either going to be a close game and you're going to take the Indians because of the bullpen, or you know if it's a blowout, then you're in either direction, you're seeing lesser relievers come in for a Cubs bullpen that's not good anyway. Like, is that something where, like, almost – Handicapping the last four innings is easier than handicapping the first five. I don't really play second half lines, but I'm just asking you. 
Yeah, no, I don't play them either. I I would just look at it live. So the big thing with second half early is like, what if they're down seven zero? You know, like there there's things there where you don't know what arms you're gonna get. Um, and so for me, like just the other day, I did it with. Um, well, I think it was this this Red Sox game actually two days ago. Did they play on Monday? Red Sox and Rays. It was tied five five, I think, in like the sixth inning, and I basically got Rays at a, I think it was like minus one twenty, and it was like three innings of Rays bullpen versus three innings of Red Sox bullpen. Basically, I had to pick them. And so, wow. Yeah. So that's that's something that I'll look at where it's like these, and I I want it to be a close game, right? Because you want to have the good arms. Um, and you want, like, obviously the bats to be there, not out of it if they're down six runs. But that is something where, like, some of these games where I would look at an eye before where it's like, okay, not really seeing much on starters, but obviously this bullpen's way bat- better. And watch for that live and see if you can get a good number there towards the end. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't play second half, like, yeah. free game lines. Ever. And, and I don't either. And then the last thing I want to mention which I just think is an important note for sports betters, regardless of the sport. And it comes up here because you mentioned you're a Cubs fan. And I said earlier in the pod, I'm a Phillies fan, and we both share horrible bullpens. Um, But I think it's important that you are able – like, I I, I think if you know – like, you should use this to your advantage, even if it means you're betting against the team you cheer for. You're going to know more about them, right? Because – even if you don't have a play on their game, like you're going to watch their game. And so I think like that can help you if you can remain objective, that can help you know when to bet on them and when to bet against them. And, you know, I I just think like, for example, I'm kicking myself because last night I took the Phillies team total under four and a half and I was torn between taking the Orioles at a much better price, or just playing the Phillies team total under, because I mentioned earlier in the pod that blowout win that they had against Atlanta, in which they scored 13 runs. Well, the Phillies, just the last couple of seasons, have been this Jekyll and Hyde team where they look great one day, and then they look terrible the next. So I thought it was going to be this kind of like low-scoring game where it's just like, oh, they scored all these runs on, uh, what, Monday and now on Tuesday. They can't score, uh, you know, and, and if I had to take a side, as I said, I would have taken the Orioles, but I ended up making the wrong of the two bets and taking the team total under, and they ended up losing the game, I think it was 10-9 to 9 in 10 innings last night against Baltimore. But the point I'm trying to make here is if you know your team, you're going to know things that should help you, whether it's betting on them or betting against them. But if you can use those things to bet against them, then obviously if you win your bet, it makes the loss a little easier to swallow. So I just think that's important. Yeah, a little emotional hedge there. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, it should be, or you would think, is the team that you've watched the most, right? You know, that that should be the team you feel like you have the best handle on. Um, It is hard. I mean, and I know, like, I I totally respect if there's people who just never want to bet against their team. But I think that that should be a two-way street where you should also never want to bet for them if that's the case. It's a good point. I think it's almost I like you, the, there's one less team in the league than for betting purposes. Yep, exactly. And I think because otherwise you get to the point where you know I guess two you them are, and you their know, opponent. <laughs> yep, you're too optimistic. Um, and so I think that that's if that's something you want to do, I wouldn't bet for or against them. But for me, I mean, it's something where. I I wouldn't be too distraught if the Cubs lose one game, you know. Uh, right. It, it does it's going to happen. Yep, yep, exactly. Um, I think, like, 
like I said, at the price, the values on the Indians, um, for me at least. And so I think I don't, I don't have too much problem going against them there. I feel like, like you said, I feel like I have a, a really good handle on them. And I think that hopefully, you know, to people that I talk to about these games and stuff, I always do respect people's opinions on their own team. You know, it's like they're, they're going to know. They know what right. bullpen arms came out last night. You know, they know how these hitters are looking, you know, stuff that the stats can't really even tell you. And so I think that that's something important to lean on as well. Well, there he is, Jordan. You know him as the big three for three on Gambling Twitter, at big three underscore four underscore three. Jordan, I really appreciate your time. Always good to talk some baseball, and we'll certainly do it again. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Before we get out of here, let's check in with our sponsor, Bet Online. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling pandemic visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news remember to use the promo code blue wire and receive your new welcome bonus that's promo code blue wire bet online your online wagering experts get really into your favorite shows and movies all in one place with flex a 4k streaming box you get free with xfinity internet find what you want with your voice on netflix hulu disney plus and more no more jumping in and out of apps and get peacock premium at no additional cost it's a way better way to watch learn more at xfinity.com flex restrictions apply requires postpaid xfinity internet excluding internet essentials one device included subscriptions required to access streaming services